Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. How are we doing, CityWalk? Morning, those of you that are watching online. We want to say happy Mother's Day uh, to all of our moms. Uh, We are super thankful for you. Uh, I know we are so thankful for you that today we are going to do all the dishes. Today, if we can cook, we're going to cook. And if we are the type that blows up the kitchen, we're going to buy something from a store for you. Uh, we're going we're gonna to make the huge sacrifice that we've worked ourselves up to all year to turn the remote over for a day and watch the sappy movie with you that you want to watch uh, because we, we love our moms and we, uh, those of us that are married and have a wife and, and children, we love our wives and we want to honor them today. And, and so we're going to do all those things and I'm sure a whole lot more. Uh, my mom, she actually uh, lives in Alabama. Uh, I think we have a picture of my mom and my brothers. Uh, and she actually lives in Alabama and I am super thankful for my mom. I'll get a chance to call her a little bit later today, uh, and, and, and as I think about my mom, there's a lot of things that I'm grateful for, uh, tons of stuff that over the years that she has meant to me, uh, and I'm, I'm super grateful for her. I wasn't always grateful for her, and you know that, man, if you uh, had, a, had a mom that, man, during middle school kind of complicated your life like I did, uh, I wasn't always grateful for her. I remember one time... And I may have told you guys this before, but it's definitely scarred me. Uh, so there was, when I grew up, and some of you that grew up about my time, you remember the show you never wanted to watch before you went to bed? It was called Unsolved Mysteries. Um, yeah, you remember that show? And basically on that show, every other kid in America got kidnapped. It was just kind of the, the, the vibe of that show. And so that show, man, had my mom uh, afraid that, man, man, my, there's just people outside our house that are waiting for my boys to go out and, you know, going to snatch them and take them away. And so she would, when we would go into public places, she was so protective that when we, she wouldn't even let us go to the bathroom by ourselves. And so, you know, you're, you're eight, nine, 10 years old, you're at a spot where you're not really interested in going into the lady's bathroom with your mom to go to the bathroom for a lot of reasons. And so my mom said, all right, you, you have two choices. You can go in the bathroom with me, or you can go in the bathroom, your bathroom, but while you're in there, you have to sing. And if you stop singing, I'm coming in. And my mom was the type of mom that meant that. It wasn't, a, it wasn't like a, a veiled threat. It was like, this is what my mom really thinks. And she will come in. And so we'd be in like the grocery store. And it's like, you're, you try so hard to hold it because you're like, I don't even want to have to do this. But you get to the spot where you're like, I got to go. And so we would go in there, man. And I just feel 
weird for the people that had to go to the bathroom that during the time we did, because we're in there standing at the stall, Jesus, like just enough where I know my mom can hear me outside, and it does, I mean, it's as awkward as it could possibly be, and that was my mom, and so there were times in my life that I man, wasn't always thankful for her, but, but overall, man, my mom, I have a great mom, and I'm super thankful for her, and even as I look back at some of those uh, caring moments that embarrassed me, I'm thankful for her and for her care. And for you, you may be watching online or you're here this morning. You may be here today or, man, today as you're, as you're watching, Mother's Day is not like a favorite day for you. And for you, as much as maybe other people celebrate a mom, for you it's a tougher day. Uh, it's a tougher day maybe because this is maybe the first Mother's Day without your mom. And so it's just hard. Uh, or maybe for you, man, you, you may look back on your memories with your mom and, and, and you don't have a ton of great memories. And for you, it's, it's, there's some tougher things and there's some hurt. And so Mother's Day is always kind of tough for you. Or, or maybe you're, you're a, a lady that, man, you would love to be a mom. And you have tried to have children and just to this point that hasn't happened. And so for you, man, this is a day that's a little bit tougher. And whether today's one of those days that you celebrate and it's an exciting day for you, or it's one of those days that's a tougher day for you because of some things that have happened in your life, there's a lady in the Bible by the name of Hannah that probably better than anybody in the scriptures would understand both places. She would understand the, the, the tough times. She would understand what it might feel like to, to not have kids or to have some, some tough times in this area of motherhood. But then she would also understand the celebration of it. And, and in different parts of her life, she felt different things. And today as we kind of celebrate mothers and, and ladies in our life that are special to us, we're going to look at this lady by the name of Hannah who honestly... Her, her life would have made a really good reality TV show. And in fact, if she lived today, you and I would tune in. We would lean in. It, was, it would be money for TV if they put her life on video or in, on a Netflix special. Because her, her life was far from perfect. It was far from drama free. But yet this lady named Hannah... There's some characteristics about her that made her a very special mom that we're going to look at. And we're going to look at a, a, a place in the Bible, a book in the Bible in the Old Testament called 1 Samuel. And shocker, Samuel wrote 1 Samuel. Samuel was Hannah's son. And in, and in 1 Samuel chapter 1, Samuel, who's Hannah's son, begins by kind of talking about his dad, and he introduces his dad named Elkanah, and then after he introduces his dad, in verse 2, he begins to talk a little bit about his mom, and it says this in 2 Samuel chapter 1, you can follow on the screen, or you can follow along in the app, it says this in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 2, it says he, talking about uh, Samuel's dad, Elkanah, he had two wives. So already you're seeing like, okay, this is going to be a little different household. And, and it says this, it, it, it talks about the two wives. The first, 
named Hannah. This is Samuel's mom. Her name means grace. And the second, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah was childless. And so the, the characters in the story, you have Elkanah, who's, who's the dad. Then you have these two ladies, and, and, and you don't know a lot about them from the first few verses, but you know one's name is Hannah, and she obviously is, is not having a lot of kids because it says that there's this other one named Penina, and she has children. And so to kind of read between the lines, basically, Hannah is the wife that Elkanah loves and was probably married to first. And Panina is the wife that he uses to have children with. And so you can already see this is going to get ugly and drama-filled. It's, it's just a mess. It says this in verse 3. This man would go up from his town every year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of armies at Shiloh. So Shiloh was the place where uh, there was the tabernacle. And so we know that Samuel's dad, Elkanah, was probably a religious guy. Religious guys back in this day would go to the tabernacle three times a year. And so, man, this is what he did. He would do that. So he's got these, these two moms at the house. He's got dad who's kind of religious. And, and it begins to delve in a little bit deeper into the story and, and you kind of see kind of what's going on behind the curtain in their house. It says this in verse four, whenever Elkanah offered a sacrifice, so when he would go to the tabernacle and offer a sacrifice, he always gave portions of the meat to his wife, Panina, and to each of her sons and daughters. Good for you. Fed his family. Good for you. But then it says this, but he gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. And so this guy, he was, he was, not, he was not good at even deceiving. I mean, he, he didn't even try to hide the fact that, hey, Hannah's my girl, and you're my like, person that makes babies for me. And so I'm going to make sure you're fed and your kids are fed. But the one I really love, I'm going to give her extra. She's my favorite. And he, he didn't seem to try to hide it. It was very known. And it says this in verse 6. Her rival, so Hannah's rival, which was the other wife, would taunt her severely just to provoke her because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving so Panina knew that, man, I'm, I'm not the favorite. I, I know that I'm only being used for children. And so she, like, would on purpose try to hurt Hannah because hurt people hurt people. And, and Panina was hurt, rightfully so. Her husband treated her like a machine, basically. And so she was insecure and hurt, and so she would constantly kind of poke at Hannah and, and make fun of her and point out to her that, hey, you can't have kids on purpose. See, in this society, having children was one of the most important things to a wife for a lot of reasons. And if you were unable to have children in this society, people looked down on you. You were talked about. You were people in the corner were talking about you. They were talking about how, wow, God must be mad at her. She must have done something wrong because she can't have kids. And so you can, you can see how Hannah, man, is very insecure. And you can see that Panina has a lot of ammunition to make Hannah feel terrible. And she uses it. And it says this in verse 7, 
This just, it didn't just happen once or twice. This was like, oh, this happened for years. Year after year, when she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way. Hannah would weep and would not eat. So this happened every single year when they would go up to the tabernacle. Every single year, Panina would taunt and poke and make fun of and ridicule Hannah to the point where she would not eat. If she lived today, this may have been, we, we may have diagnosed this depression and an eating disorder. I mean, she was not in a good spot. She was in a spot where she, she literally could not eat. She, she, was, uh, she would weep. It was, she was depressed. It got to her. And then it says this in ver verse 8. And this is, this is Elkanah, the husband, being totally clueless. And us husbands are that way a lot of times. We, we get it. So we're, we're, we're not ragging on you, Elkanah, because we're clueless a lot too. It says this in verse 8. Hannah. Why are you crying? Elkanah would ask. Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? It's like, dude, this has been happening year after year after year. You really don't know why your wife's upset, bud? You, you really don't know why she's not eating? I mean, this has been happening for five years every single year. You hear the taunts. Are you really not getting it? Or you just really don't want to deal with the problem? So you're acting kind of playing dumb. And we do that sometimes. Uh, don't we guys, once in a while? And, and then he asks a question. He, he says this, am I not better to you than 10 sons? Yeah, some of the wives are like, okay, humble husband award. It's like, baby, you, you don't need all those kids. You got me. Am I not, man, you could have all the boys, all the kids, and it wouldn't be as good as me. And we don't hear the response or the cuss words that she said back to him right? because it's the Bible and Samuel left that part out. But, but, but that's what he says. So, because Hannah is in a spot where she literally, she's just living with insecurity. The, the thing, the one thing that would make everything okay, she didn't have and could do nothing about. I mean, verse 6 literally says, the Lord kept her from conceiving. So, man, she, obviously, if she could have had a kid, she would have done it. She would have ended all this ridicule and this embarrassment and this depression. But she couldn't. Because she, she literally just, her whole life, every single day. Imagine living with another lady who every single day you see interacting with her kids. And you can't do anything about it. And so amidst the insecurity, amidst the depression, Hannah decides to do the only thing she knows to do. And we see what that is in verse 9. It says this, on one occasion, Hannah got up after they ate and drank at Shiloh. The priest Eli was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. Deeply hurt, and basically it means bitter in your soul. I mean, deeply broken. Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. And it says this, making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of armies. And when she says Lord of armies, here's, here's what she means. She means Lord who has power without limit. So she knows she's talking to God who is limitless in his power. 
He says, she says, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me and give your servant a son, she says this, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and his hair will never be cut. See, Hannah, she's the only woman in the entire Bible that ever makes a vow to God because vows were taken very seriously. And so Hannah, as she is, she's at a spot where she, year after year, she's living with insecurity, depression, brokenness, deep brokenness. She goes to the temple. They're there for their, you know, three times a year. They go to the temple. They make that trip. And so they're there and all the same things are happening. But now she goes to the temple and she does what only she knows to do. And she, she just lays out everything before God. And she asks God to give her a son. And it says this in verse 12. While she continued praying in the Lord's presence, Eli watched her mouth. So Eli was the priest. Hannah was praying silently. And though her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk. And he said to her, how long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. I mean, he's, he's looking here and he's saying, sister, what, you've, been, you've had a couple too many. Like, you are what, you're a train wreck. What are you even saying? You're drunk. Because she is so broken and it's, it's so obvious. She's so kind of disheveled that it, it, to the priest, he's like, she must have been drinking. And so he said, come on. Stop drinking. And, and she replies to him, like, she says, no, 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 no. My Lord, Hannah replied, I am a woman with, with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. She says, dude, I, I promise I haven't had a sip of alcohol. This isn't alcohol. This isn't, I'm not broken because of that. No, I'm broken because something deep inside me is hurting. And I, I only thought, the only thing I knew to do was to cry out to the Lord. And so I am crying out to the Lord. I am giving everything I have. I'm sharing. I'm laying it out for the Lord. I'm broken. And then, then here's his reply. After he realizes, okay, she's not drunk. She's just broken. She's hurting. She's, she's crying out to God. He says this in verse 17. Eli responded, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant the request you've made of him. And, and he doesn't know what that request is. He, he doesn't know why she's broken. At least not from this passage. Verse 18, may your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way, and I love this part. She ate and no longer looked despondent. So in this spot where it says she ate and no longer looked despondent, was she pregnant yet? No. Had anything changed about her circumstances? Was she going to go home and Panina was just going to be nice to her now? No. Did, did she know that she would be pregnant soon? I mean, she may have believed it because the priest said it, but, but nothing about her circumstances had changed. 
but a lot about her spirit had. That her circumstances were the exact same when she got up from crying out to God, but yet she was different because she had left her burden, her brokenness before God. 1 Peter 5, 7 says it this way, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Psalms chapter 37, I love this passage. It says this, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. And I love this section right here, commit your way. And I, I think I've shared this with you before, that that word commit literally means to take what's on your shoulders and roll it off onto somebody else's shoulders. It's that idea of God, I'm under something that's, that's hurting, that's too, too heavy for me to carry. And God's saying to you, hey, Hannah, or he's saying to you or to me, hey, you're too, you, you don't have what it takes to carry that burden. And so roll that burden onto me. Commit your way to me. And that's exactly what Hannah did. The weight was no longer hers to carry. And so she had taken that burden, that, that thing that was deeply hurting her, that, that place of insecurity that honestly she could on her own do nothing to change. But she had rolled that onto God. She had cast her care onto God. And so now she was able to get up, go eat, and no longer was she depressed or despondent because Something had changed. She had taken what was burdening her and she had given it to God. It says this in verse 19. It says, The next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to worship before the Lord. Afterward, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. After some time, Hannah conceived. And so this... Wasn't like it seems like it wasn't right away. It's just after some time, she conceived. She she got pregnant, and it says she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because she said, "I requested him from the Lord." So that word, his name means requested from God. And so the the story they they get home. She gets pregnant. She. She has this baby. It's a baby boy. She names him Samuel. And amid her anguish, amid her insecurity, amid her depression, she had cried out to the Lord, and God answered her prayer and gave her a son. And I can only imagine that as she picked up Samuel, every morning as she picked him up and she would care for him, she was reminded of God's gracious hand and how God had answered her prayer. See, a few years would pass because remember, she had made a commitment to the Lord. She had made a commitment that, hey, God, if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you. I will dedicate him. He will be used for your service. And so now she has this baby boy and a few years pass, he's now three to five years old, and it says this in verse 24, it says, when she had weaned him, so when he had kind of, he's not a toddler anymore, he's probably four or five years old, she took him with her to Shiloh, 
as well as a three-year-old bull, half a bushel of flour, and a clay jar of wine. Though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house at Shiloh. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. Verse 26, please, my Lord, she said, she was talking to Eli, as surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. Remember me? I was the girl you thought was drunk. Remember, oh, a couple years back, remember me? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember you. And she, she's, she's got this little boy. And again, he, at, based on the scripture, Eli probably didn't even know what she was praying about. But he was the one that said, hey, God's heard you. God's going to answer your prayer. And now, four or five years later, this same lady shows up and Yet this time, she's holding the hand of a little boy. And she says, hey, remember me? I was that lady, you know, right there praying. You thought I was drunk. See, Hannah had made a commitment to God that if he blessed her with a son, she would give him back. And so God gave her the gift of a child, and she kept her promise. Hannah weaned Samuel, kind of prepared him to, to serve God, spent time training him. And I, I can only imagine, just think about it, mom and dad. Think about it when you have a kid. So in our country, kind of 18 is like this magic number where you kind of have, like, and, and our kids stay with us after 18 a lot, but, but you kind of have in your mind, I got about 18 years. And so, man, I, I, I got a, a son or a daughter, and I got about 18 years to, to encourage them, to train them, to discipline them, to help them, to prepare them for what's next, to, to steward this gift that God has given me. I've got about 18 years. But for Hannah, it was a lot different. As she looked at her son, she, she was probably thinking, you know what? I got about four years. Got about maybe five years and, and I'm going to spend time. This is a gift that God has given me. And I want to steward this gift well. And I'm going to do my very best. I don't want to waste a day. I want to prepare my son to do whatever God has for him. And then the day came. And, and, and think about it. Think about it. I mean, man, think about what it's like when your kid goes to camp for the first time. It's like, man, it's like. Now we got phones like, baby, just, just call me every day. I just need to make sure you're okay. And I, like, we're, we're kind of a mess. Imagine being Hannah. And she's packing her, in her mind, baby boy, four or five years old. She's packing him up, getting his stuff together. She's going to go to Shiloh to the tabernacle. She goes there. The family goes there at least three times a year. But now she knows that she's going to take Samuel and he's not going to come back. He's going to stay there. And so just kind of put yourself in, in her shoes. What she must have been feeling as though she knew this was the right thing to do. She knew this was keeping the promise she made to God. But man, the other side of her heart, man, this has had to be a really tough time for her. It says this in verse 27. As she's continuing to talk to Eli, she says, I prayed for this boy, this guy right here. I prayed for him. I asked God for him. And since the Lord gave me what I asked him for, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. And then I love this. Then he worshiped the Lord there. And so we don't know if, if this meant like 
four or five-year-old little Samuel, he's, he's like worshiping, or if it's Eli that's worshiping, but it says he worshiped the Lord. So we're here now, I mean, several thousand years after this happens. And, and we read this narrative, and, and it leads us to, at least, it leads us to this question. Again, thousands of years after this is over, we're, we're reading this story about Hannah that's written by her son, and, and we're, you know, kind of, we, we know the end of the story now, and so we're, we're kind of looking into the story, and it brings us to this question, man, what was it about Hannah that made her life and story so special? Like, this is a woman who, who lived in a pretty drama-filled home. She struggled with depression, maybe an eating disorder. She struggled with deep insecurity. Yet she is remembered today as a hero of the faith, thousands of years after she was alive. And I think the reason, the reason her story is so special is, is simply this. Hannah trusted God. You're like, well, that's kind of what the pastor should say. It's kind of the Sunday school answer. Of course she trusted God. But, but here's what I mean. She trusted God in a couple ways. The first way she, she showed her trust in God is she showed it by her desperation for God. See, for her... For Hannah, God was her only hope. He wasn't like, hey, I have four or five options here, and I'm going to try this option and try this option, and, and there's always the God option, and I'm going to, you know, I just want to have access to that option too. No, Hannah had this deep trust in God that led her to be desperate for God as her only option, her first and her last option. She was desperate for God. Mom, Dad, brother, sister, uncle, aunt. I mean, we, we, we play a bunch of different ro uh, roles. We're all desperate for something. I mean, whether you think you are or not, whether you would admit that you're desperate for... Every single one of us is desperate for something. And, and here's what I know about desperation. The object of our desperation is home to our trust. Let me say that again. The object of our desperation is home to our trust. If you're desperate for money, it's what you trust in. If, if I got to have it, I got to do this and this and this, and my bank account's what I'm, I need it to be full of this much money. If you're desperate for that, then your trust is in that. If you're desperate for the approval of man, and that's like what your life's about. And you try to do everything you can so everybody stays happy with you. That's what you trust in. If you're desperate for safety. And I don't mean that in like, well, of course we all want to be safe. But like there's, there's people that their whole life, they, they walk on eggshells their whole life. They never step out, never try things because, man, they are desperate. They just want to make sure everything's perfect and safe and lined up. And that's where they place their trust. For Hannah, her desperation was for God. And so her trust lied. It was like, if God doesn't come through, I'm not worried about my bank account. I'm not worried about safety. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm leaning into God. I'm desperate for him. And that's one of the ways she showed her trust. Even as a woman whose life was anything but perfect, she trusted God. And she showed it by her deep desperation for him. 
But, but then she also showed it by this, by her obedience to God's plan. Like you can say you trust God, but if you don't do what he says, do you really? See, see Hannah was the lady that she really believed that God's way is best. She, she really believed that God's way is best for her, God's way is best for her son, and she acted on that belief. So, so here's the question, is God's way best? I mean, really? Is God's way really best? See, if our trust is somewhere else, then the honest answer is no, at least in our life. If we say, man, God's way is best, and I want God's way for my kids, but yet our trust is somewhere else, and you know we're putting everything into this, and if this all doesn't come through, we always have the God option, then God's way is not really best. I'm super thankful for my mom for a lot of reasons, but, but one of the reasons that I'm deeply thankful for my mom is because my mom's dream for her boys was that they love God and obey him. That, that was her dream. That was what, hey, if, if, if I go to my grave one day, I'll be happy if my boys love God and obey God. I don't care what job they do. I don't care what college they go to. And yes, she wanted great things for us. And yes, she pushed us. And yes, she held us accountable. But at the end of the day, her greatest, greatest desire was that her boys would love God and obey God. And that was it. And everything else was a distant, distant second at best. And I'm so thankful for that. Because my mom was a mom that just displayed for me in in just vivid pictures a lady that trusted God. Because she really believed. And we had some real ups and downs through our life, just like you have in your life. But she really believed that God's way was best for her and for her boys. And she went all in on that idea. And it's why in a few weeks we'll be in Anna Maria Island. And it will be, and this has been a huge thing, I'll tell you about it later, but my mom and dad are renewing their vows. And so, I mean, they're putting more into the renewal of vows than we put into our wedding because they have, you know, they're retired. So they have nothing else to think about. So they're putting a lot of time into this. So Lori's singing a song, you know, Austin's walking her down the aisle, like all this stuff. There's a foot washing ceremony. So it's, you know, it's going to be fun. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, it's going to be a special time because, and I, and I said, I've said this to my brothers, you know what? We're going to jump through all the hoops. We're going to do all the stuff and, and it, whatever awkwardness. We're going to do it all because you know what? We're going to celebrate this. And I am so thankful that our kids get to see this. They get to see two people that men have had anything but a perfect life. And there's been ups and downs. There's been times where divorce was right there and, and it looked it was like it was going to go that way. But God moved in because my mom and my dad decided God's way is best. And they trusted God and it's marking generations. And so for you, whether you have a great mom, whether you have a great dad, whether the background story is a bunch of hurt and drama, you have an opportunity to change things.
You can be the first or you can be the continuation of someone who says, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to be known for, but what I'm going to try to be known for is this. I trust God. So when things are rough, it's God. We're desperate for God. And we obey God. We, we do it God's way. We, we believe his way is best. And at the end of the day, we're going all in on that idea. And see, today as we look back again, we, we know the end of the story for Hannah. And if you fast forward a few years, Hannah has several more children. And, and Samuel, this son, her first son that she gave back to God, he literally marked the nation of Israel for centuries. He was the spiritual conscience and the leader of the nation. He was the one that anointed King David as, as, as king. And, and here's what's beautiful. He, he anointed King David king. And then David, in David's line, several generations after David, there was another baby boy born that was given as a sacrifice. And his name was Jesus. And Hannah never knew. She never knew, obviously, when she was broken and desperate for God. She never knew that her, her desire to have a son and then her willingness to obey God and give him back would literally lay the foundation for the king of kings to be born into the world. But yet she just knew that, you know what, I'm trusting God. I'm desperate for God. And I'm going to obey God. And the beautiful thing about that baby boy that would be born several years later named Jesus, that baby boy, when he gave himself for the world, he would give himself so that we could have a relationship with God that was built on trust. So Hannah's trust is in the line of giving us the opportunity to trust Jesus. Let's pray. As we close with every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're online or you're here with us this morning, maybe you're listening to this throughout the week on a podcast. And maybe today you came to church or you're watching and listening and, and man, for you, Man, Mother's Day is a great day, or maybe for you, you would say, you know what, Chris, I'm kind of in that spot where Mother's Day is not always the best day. It's a tougher day for different reasons. No matter kind of what brought you to church or what brought you to listen to this throughout the week, as we talk about this lady, Hannah, and the story that God played out in her life, with every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you a question. Did Hannah's story speak to you? As we talk through her story, did God speak to you? Maybe in the quietness of this room or wherever you're watching, you realize that, you know what, I, I haven't trusted God lately. I, I haven't been desperate for him. I've been desperate for other things. I've placed my trust in a lot of other things, but it hasn't been him. And maybe for you, today's just the day where you just in the quietness of this room or wherever you're watching, you just 
Admit that to God. And you just say, God, I, I haven't been. Man, I, I haven't trusted you. I haven't, I, I maybe said it with my mouth, but I, I really haven't believed with my heart that your way is best. And in the quietness of this moment, maybe it's just a time for you to just recognize and admit that. And then just to ask God, God, this week, help me to trust you. God, this week, help me to see your way as best and live as though I believe that. Maybe for you, there's, man, you just, some things you want to pray about. There's Maybe there's some things on your heart as, as you're thinking about some of the areas that you want to trust God in. And, and as the band plays here in a second, Julie and Glenn are going to be down front. And, and they're just down here to pray with you, to encourage you. If you just want to talk to someone, that's what they're here for. If you, if you want to come down front and just pray and, and just spend some time talking to God, and you don't have to talk to Glenn or Julie, but just whatever God's saying to you, we want to give you that opportunity here in a second. Maybe you're here or you're watching online, and for you, man, you don't have a relationship with God. And, and maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you're skeptical of the whole Jesus thing, and, and I get it. Maybe somebody's lied to you in the past, and so you've got some scars from people that say they love Jesus. And so here's my question for you. If you're here or you're watching online and you don't have a relationship with God, I have one simple question for you. What do you believe about Jesus? Because you, you can have been hurt by the church. You can have questions about the Old Testament. There could be a lot of different questions, but the biggest question is this. What do you believe about Jesus? And if you're here this morning or watching and you believe that you have disobeyed God, you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for that, and you want to have a relationship with God, you can do that right now. It can be a first step. It can be a step even before all your other questions are answered. And so in the quietness of this room on this Mother's Day 2023 or watching online, if you're here and you can say, today, yes, I, I have questions and I'm skeptical of a few things, but man, I do believe what you said about Jesus and I do want a relationship with God. And just between you and God, from your heart to his, just tell him, God, I admit to you, I've disobeyed you. God, I've, I've thought my way is best. Just tell him, I've sinned. Then just tell him, God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross and raise from the dead for me. He paid for my sin. Just tell God. And then just ask, God, I want a relationship with you. Come into my life. Save me. In the quietness of this room, wherever you're watching this, if you prayed and you talked to God and you started a relationship with God, now we would love to know about that. We'd love to encourage you in any way we can. 
And so if you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc. There's a card there that just says decision. You can fill out. We'll get with you this week. Or if you're here with us this morning, maybe you came with your mom. And you say, hey man, today, Chris, I, I started a relationship with God. As you were praying, I was doing that as well. Take that decision card that's right there in front of you and just fill that out during this last song and then you can drop, drop it in the offering basket on the way out. Maybe you're here and you say, I just still have a lot of questions about this. I didn't really make a decision, but I have questions. You can fit, write that on that decision card. Just write some of your questions and a way to contact you and we'll contact you and we'd love to talk with you about your questions. Lord, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for coming and giving your life for our sin. And Lord, as we today set aside some time to celebrate mothers, ladies that have just meant a lot to us, I pray, God, that whether today is a, a day of just joy because of the relationship we have with our mom or, or whether it's a tougher day, God, I pray that you would be the God of peace in every situation. In Jesus' name, amen.